Welcome to Israel Underground, where we'll be exploring the stories and the people that aren't always covered in the more classic mainstream Israeli narrative. As an amazing, complicated country full of different communities and walks of life, we want to unearth the stories that we don't hear as much, and we want to hear them from the people who live them in real life. In each episode, we'll take a look at different communities and demographics and hear from people who represent them to get a better understanding of all the different worlds coexisting in this small country. Today, we want to dig deeper into the LGBTQ community in Israel. We see this community's representation on the news and in the mainstream conversation in all different ways, from pride parades that range from the party of the year to small homie events in smaller towns, to new laws being passed and argued about that deeply affect the community itself and society's perception of them. Most recently, the controversial law banning physicians from practicing conversion therapy. Often, the conversation focuses on discrimination, how the community as a minority fits in or doesn't with society at large. Just this month, the CEO of a popular Tchina company in the Arab community donated money to the LGBTQ Association to make an Arabic-speaking hotline for youth. The company was immediately boycotted by many people in and out of the Arab sector who don't support the cause. However, the boycott caused a whiplash of support, including international support by Israeli diplomats worldwide, to fight the boycott and make a statement of support to the community. These are the stories that we hear daily, stories of pride and politics and international boycotts and unboycotts. but we wanted to know, are these the stories that are most affecting the LGBTQ community members themselves? We sat with our good friend Rinat Sukbazak, community member and activist, and asked her what the issues that most affect them are. She pointed out that the community faces discrimination in the medical world, something that affects many elements of their day-to-day life and is especially relevant these days. Rinat has been an active member of the community for many years and has volunteered in a number of organizations committed to the cause several times in the capacity as head chair. She's also spearheaded the organization of the Pride Parade in Beersheba, a large city in the south, for several years, including this year, where they held their first ever online parade due to the pandemic. Rinat is here with us now to expand on the issue of medical discrimination in the LGBTQ community and to help give us insight into what's going on. Hello, Rinat. It's very nice to talk to you. Uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about your connection to the LGBT community? Okay, um, so I'm a lesbian and I'm also an activist. <laughs> I volunteered in some organizations that are working for uh, the LGBTQ community. I was in IGI, which is a youth organization, in Batkol, which is uh, on, an organization for religious gay women, and also in the Students' Association, uh, and the LGBTQ um, Pride House in Beersheba, which is the organization for LGBTQ people uh, in Beersheba and the south of Israel. So when we spoke before the interview, you mentioned that an important topic that we should discuss is medical discrimination against the LGBT community in Israel. So if you would, like, give me a general idea of what that means, and then we're going to dive into specifics. I think that I speak by name of most LGBT people I know. Most of us feel uncomfortable when we need to go to the doctor. And like... Even if it's something usual or like just a regular test or something. So like we can't be sure that the person that stands in front of us, like the doctor, the nurse uh, or any medical staff, if they will be pro-LGBT or if they have like the um, like biases. Yeah. Against 
like our community and like we don't know and sometimes we go to the doctor and then like the doctor is homophobic or <laughs> lesbophobic or biphobic or transphobic and then like we can feel it by the way they treat us and like we that makes us feel uncomfortable to like reach doctors we feel that in many fields in our lives okay so that's that's the general thing i already want to like dive in and start asking uh, more specific stuff um is there are there any groups or organizations that are kind of working toward bettering this situation so there is in kikarabima in tel aviv there is like a proud clinic which is like the whole stuff there and the whole thing they do is like about lgbtq medicine um so like if you live in the center of israel so like you have this access to like a clinic where all you know for sure that they'll give you like the right and appropriate stuff that you need um but that's like a really specific place and like hopefully in one of the days there like there'll be a lot of like clinics like that all over the country and like recently uh, the Hoshan organization which is the organization for educating uh, the people of Israel about LGBTQs so they started like in the last few weeks to like do lectures and stuff to medical um, mm-hmm. stuff so it seems like there are two approaches to this issue there's normalization in the general medical world and then there's the creation of more community clinics so how do you balance those two approaches both ways are so important because like first yeah like there need to be specific places that focus on lgbtq medicine because some of the needs are specific for lgbtqs like um i mean it's not that aids is just the problem of the, the lgbtq communities but like we a lot of us like have to deal with uh, HIV tests and stuff like that. So like that should be in a clinic and also like all the um, transgender um, stuff that you need to do, like uh, surgeries or like taking hormones. So like that's specific for communities. And if there is like a clinic that just do all of that sort of stuff. So like, you know that you can go to that place and like you'll have what you need there. But also sometimes we just have like, I don't know, headache, or we just have like a throat pain or like a stomach ache. So like, we don't need like a LGBTQ expert. We just need a doctor that we know we can count on who won't judge us. Right. Yeah, that's super important. So you you, you mentioned um, transsexuality. The trans community is obviously a large and very relevant subset of the LGBTQ community. Um, and from our understanding, there is a way for this group to make the change from one sex to the other. That's from an outside perspective, though. From the inside, what is the general outlook on that process? And are there any you know primary complaints or ways that it, it should or, or can be improved? So I can talk about it like from the experiences that my friends are like having. But I in person didn't have any of these experiences. So like to know exactly like what is it and how it feels like you need to talk to a trans person. But I can tell you about when like some transgender people don't want to do anything physical and like they just I don't know, feel like they're 
non-binary or like maybe they feel they are at the opposite gender like from the gender that um they been told from their birth and then like some people don't want to change their bodies in any way and some transgender people want to change their body and if you want to change your body so um the first step you uh usually do is taking hormones like if you want to change from f to m female to male so you take testosterone and if you want to uh, change from male to female m to f so you take mostly estrogen and like more genes like that and i think that in israel you need to be above 18 so they'll let you start taking the hormones like if you're under 18 i think that there is like a really really complex um process that you can do but like you need to get so many like bureaucracy done and like you need your parents to agree and you need to go through many committees so like i feel like most of trans people will start a process like after they're 18 but like there is actually a really good um tv show about like you for transgender um it's called trans kids and like it shows like their whole process that they can do if the, their families are supportive and like if they go through this whole bureaucracy but also like all of the stuff that a transgender person uh, needs to do you need to uh, have like this um ishurim like the permissions yeah from like the misrada briut and from a lot of uh, committees and you can just go and like change your gender so uh, i guess i'm asking from a position of relative ignorance but do you feel that as a as a member of the wider lgbtq community that restriction of waiting until 18 is reasonable or unnecessary i feel like it's unnecessary i feel like hormones they are all reversible so like the claim that like if you start taking them so like you can't make these decisions when you're so young like if you stop taking the hormones the day you stop taking them so like after a few days or a few weeks things will turn back and like uh, people like who are 16 or 15 most of the times they know what they want and they know which gender they are feeling like and it's something that most of trans people speak about themselves and they tell like they know it when they're really young like sometimes even like four or five and like the years that they need to wait until they can actually do something and like start feeling like themselves is like just years and years of pain and i feel like it's uh something that systematically it's like a discrimination hopefully we'll have an opportunity to discuss trans issues further at another time i want to ask you a slightly different question and this is going back to general medical discrimination so from my understanding a lot of medical rights are dependent on a couple being legally married uh israel recognizes same-sex marriage if the couple married abroad in a country that accepts it but that's not always a practical option for many people so how does someone's marital status or lack thereof play into this issue i think that we have like the this issue that you mentioned and also another issue is that the state of israel doesn't recognize our rights to be parents i feel like this is more of the reasons that we 
suffer from discrimination because the stuff about being married so when I went with my wife to the hospitals so like yeah the stuff looked at us weird and like they asked many questions and that was like uncomfortable but I don't know if that matters if we were married or not because at the point where they said a uh, homosexual couple so they just immediately like put assumption on us and um, treat us differently and I don't know if like the legal reason is there or like a more of like a like the society reason you know yeah what's the best way to approach improving the situation is it to start with increasing the ease of access to marriage for yeah. couples of all denominations or is it more from a perspective of the normalization of medical staff I think that like in everyday life so like what is what will improve best like our access to medicine is if it will be normalized like I'll give you a reason a few weeks ago so my wife and I went to the hospital and then like the nurse at the reception he started asking me like what is the connection between us so like I told him um she's my wife and then he just started asking me on what age I came out of the closet and how my parents took it. And like, I came to get a medical treatment and you're a nurse. And like, you need to ask me about, I don't know, my body temperature or like my feeling physically, but like it has nothing to do with me coming out of the closet. Wow, that's a gross interaction. So a focus on normalization is very much needed. Um, I'd like to ask you a different question now regarding surrogacy. So as I understand, there have been some recent developments in surrogacy law as it relates to the LGBTQ community. Can you give me a better understanding of what's going on there? Yes. In 2018, there was a really big protest of like the whole community. Uh, one of the stuff was um, how do you say it? Surrogacy. Yeah. And uh, since then, stuff like started to move a little bit. Like today, um, surrogacy for same sex couples is still not allowed in Israel. Like if a same sex couple wants to have a child that way, so they need to like go abroad and do it there. But this year, I think in February, so Bagat, the Supreme Court, said the country have one year um, to change the discrimination in law. This is the year, I don't know if something will change, and then like Bagat will get back to the state after like the deadline. We just need to wait and see. It was uh, something with a lot of meaning that the Supreme Court like says this is a discrimination in law and it needs to be fixed. But like stuff didn't happen till like since then. So we just kind of need to see what will happen. Okay, so we're hoping for news on that front. Are there any other forms of fertility centric discrimination against the community that you can tell me about? Okay, so if you're a straight couple and like you're pregnant, so you can just go to the Misrad Apneem and tell them this is the father of my child and they'll just write it down and like they just take your, your word for that. 
but if you're a woman and you come with your wife or like with your um partner and you're saying she's the mother so like they won't just sign you it takes some months like until you actually get the parenting order and like you need to uh sometimes uh go through a social worker interview that like checks um that everything with you is okay and sometimes they ask like really invasive questions and uh sometimes um they do a lot of stuff to make it harder for us like they uh, have this rule that you need um 90 days after the birth to send like a lot of forms and like if you are missing it by one day they'll just make you go for years of convincing them that you actually both are the mothers of the kid it's also like very difficult that you just had a birth and you need to start like a lot of bureaucracy which is very hard sometimes and you know that you have only 3 months after the baby is born like when he's um yelling or like you need to feed him or you need to like just adjust to being parents and at the same time you need to make sure you're submitting all the forms so they won't say to you like you can't um adopt this baby you can't be considered as his or her mom because you didn't send the forms on time Wow, that's uh that's pretty tough. It's like b- Israeli bureaucracy plus. I think in general that covers all of our topics. Um do you think that there is I don't know, something that we didn't touch on that's maybe important to say or or something to to include? We talked a little bit about HIV. Um I think it's a topic that like it's a little bit sensitive because like also straight people have hiv but like also a lot of uh homosexual people have hiv and i think that in israel there is a beautiful organization that is called um havad lemilchama beaids and they do a great work but this is like a volunteering organization and it's not something that the country do um and i feel like in this area in this field like there is also some place to improvement. Okay. So a takeaway from this conversation, you know, you got to support your your local uh inclusive clinics. You got to uh vote to on the on the right trail towards uh normalization and equality and you know, passing legislation that's going to help things. And uh also if you're a nurse, uh just focus on your job, you know. <laughs> Good stuff. Um okay, I think That about does it for us today, but uh, thank you very much, Rinat. Speaking with Rinat really kind of puts into perspective where we're at in terms of acceptance and normalization for LGBTQ healthcare in Israel. What we have now is at best functional, but hopefully the future sees a fully inclusive healthcare infrastructure where everyone gets the care they need and nobody feels uncomfortable for visiting the doctor for any reason except for I don't know when like you see an acquaintance in the waiting room and you don't really know them so well and you don't want to talk to them but then they're walking over so you know that kind of discomfort is truly egalitarian and will be forever Thanks for listening. We're psyched to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or people whose voices should be heard, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm/israelunderground. Israel
Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki Farber Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. Thank you.